This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of Ask Amy. Joining me today is Charles Moster of the Moster Law Firm. We've met you before talking about solar panels and solar panel contracts, but today he's here to speak about new construction and construction and home building. You handle a lot of these cases. We get a lot of these emails. Yes, that's uh, one of our major areas of practice. Unfortunately, there has to be a practice area for this kind of fraud and scams that are going around the state. Um, And so... You know, the emails that we get are usually people who have moved into a new home, literally the most expensive thing somebody will purchase in their entire life. And after, you know, maybe a month, two months, three months of being in there, they start noticing things that they're like, wait a minute, if it's this bad now, how bad is it going to be? So these are small things that maybe they don't feel like they're ready to call a law firm about, but they can't get the builder to come back and fix these things. You mentioned when I was talking with you something um, just called the... Um, warranties that we have warranties under state law that exists regardless of what you sign. Can you talk about what my rights are? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Again, uh, my message here to your listeners is one of warning, Mm -hmm. uh, where your dream of home ownership can turn very rapidly into a nightmare. And it could could involve uh, collapsed roofs, uh, foundations that fail, bowing walls, uh, buckling floors, and a lot of the issue can be resolved if your audience understands what they have to watch out for in contracts. Mm-hmm. And so when you're talking about warranties in a contract, there are warranties that you have that are called express warranties that a builder provides that they're going to stand behind their work. Mm-hmm. So if a wall is collapsing, uh, even if painting is done correctly, but usually substantive problems that you see or water intrusion, you can call your builder. They sure loved you when you signed the contract and you paid yeah. the money. Are they going to stand behind it? And that's known as an express warranty. That should be in your contract. But also under Texas state law, which is not known really for protecting, unfortunately, its citizens, there are implied warranties of habitability uh, where the builder or contractor has to make sure that uh, certain average standards that are customary in the industry are met, and those are in there as well. But invariably, in these contracts, whether they're with small contractors or national contractors, they waive these. So look at the contract, and it's, you should be able to even see it without going to a lawyer. You'll see big, bold language where it uses language which you may not understand, but these are bad words. These are words you should look out for in any sort of paperwork that's put in front of you. Yeah, and what and, are they? Yeah, and you don't necessarily have to go to a lawyer, but you'll know it's bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it'll say, you're waiving or releasing your rights to your warranties. It's in bold language. Now, that may seem like some esoteric term, but it's not. It means that if something goes fundamentally wrong in your house, they're not going to stand behind it. So ask mm-hmm. yourself. Do you want to do business with a company that's not going to stand behind its work? The salespeople will tell you all kinds of wonderful things. I see this every afternoon. I speak to people about this, how wonderful their work is. So you'll see it on the website. But if they're not going to stand behind their work in the contract and it's there, go to the nearest exit door. That's what I always say. Ask them to remove the language. If they say, oh, we can't, 
go to the nearest exit door. Find someone else. If you see that language in there, it's horrific. It will destroy your rights. You'll end up potentially as a client for a lawyer uh, trying to get your money back. Let's avoid that. Um, I'd love to see you not even ever have to see a lawyer. That's the purpose of this. Yeah, and so we hear this with any sort of consumer story or any big purchases. Well, what did the contract say? And so often people rely on that friendly salesperson, that friendly person that you're talking to to close the deal, that you're relying more on what they said to you than what is in this, you know, 14-page document sitting in front of you. Yeah, that's very typical. So let's say you meet uh, Joe Jeffrey. If there's a Joe Jeffrey out there, I'm just coming up with a name. And you notice a problem with the roof. It looks like uh, there's problems in construction. You're a layperson, you don't really know, so you bring it to Joe's attention. And he says, well, don't worry about it. In an email to you, we'll take care of it. I noticed some problems, don't worry about it. Or if you see a cost overrun uh, and you send out an email and then Joe gets back to you and saying, well, we'll just simply reduce it from the purchase price or the price of the contract, don't worry about it. Guess what? There's something called a merger clause in a contract. Mm-hmm. You really only need to know like one or two of these things. You don't have to have an honorary law degree. But again, please listen because it's not esoteric. It's your money. Yeah. It's a half million dollars. It's $300,000. I've had people literally come into my office crying because they've lost their entire investment. And what a merger clause says or an entireties clause at the very bottom. So it's merger or entireties. What it means is that the representations made by good old Joe in an email who's your best friend when he took your money are not admissible in court because you're stuck in the four corners of the agreement. If it doesn't give you the language that's in his email, a court will not even look at it. So, so you've Joe lost said, all your rights. Joe said by email, oh, I saw those same things on the roof that concern you. Don't worry. We're going to fix it. We'll get back around to that. <clears throat> then you move in and four months down the road, turns out they didn't fix that. You sue them, and then they refer to this clause in the contract that says, well, that, that email doesn't matter. Like, and it, it infuriates me as a lawyer. I've been out this 39 years, and then I have the email or the text mail from good old Joe, and he said, hey, we're going to reduce the price. And I say it to the other lawyer who's well-trained like myself, and the lawyer says, well, how are you going to get around the merger clause, Charles? Now, yeah. there's a way to do it through what's called fraud, mm-hmm. and that gets into the Italian cowboy story. Okay. So we're first just this, this um, segment talking about contracts and things to watch out for, making sure you read the contract. I said on a lot of these cases that, you're, um, that when clients come to you, I said, what kind of cases are these? Mostly breach of contract. That's correct. Yeah, most of them are breach of contract. Now, breach of contract is the gold standard for going after these jackals that destroy your home. And again, uh, I hate to say this, uh, Amy, but 70% of our clients have problems with small-time contractors Mm -hmm. uh, because they're undercapitalized. They don't really have any money to go after, and we'll talk about that later. And I'm not in any way disparaging small-time contractors or smaller contractors because a lot of them are excellent, but some of them are awful. But the other 30% are every large builder we're suing right now that you've ever heard of. But uh, the issue with a contract is that if they're not following the terms of the contract, they're not constructing the roof properly, you're noticing a problem with the framing. I have a case recently where they actually built the dimensions incorrectly or the walls. You're like in a funny house, the walls you walk in, and you're not at a county fair, you're in your own house, but the walls are bending in different ways. And uh, that's a violation of a contract. It's called breach of contract. You could then 
hire a lawyer to assert a claim against the builder for those defects. It's called breach of contract, gold standard. You get the cost of repairs, replacement, Mm -hmm. sometimes a brand new home, that's hard to prove, and your attorney's fees. So that's how you do it. Okay. Uh, But the problem is, is that these very uh, crafty lawyers who are hired by these companies uh, put in the language that I said earlier on that will limit your rights in a breach of contract action. So you may not be able to get the cost of repairs at all if there is special language in there that takes away your rights. So you have to be wow. very careful to know what it is you're signing. Yeah, and I mean, you can imagine how many documents they're putting in front of your face when you're buying a new home for different contractors and subcontractors and different parts of your home. When we come back, I want to talk about some, um, you came up with a fun acronym to help people remember the steps, the things that you need to remember when you're buying a new home. We're going to go over that, but also things that... Uh, layperson can do along the way in terms of how much money you should pay down. Should I have my own person going in there inspecting every so often? I'm just curious if you've come across these things that might protect homeowners. So we'll talk about some of those things when we come back. Look forward to it. All right. Welcome back to this episode of Ask Amy. My guest today is Charles Moster. We're talking about new home construction or when you have a home built and then you've got problems. It's a pretty common problem in our area. Oh, it's pervasive. It keeps us continually busy, and it's tragic. It's horrible. It shouldn't happen. And so when we, before we went to break, I said, hey, let's talk about some things that people should be doing, aside from making sure you read the contract. From the outset, when you're having a new home built, you think, you know, maybe the builder tells you they have their own inspector. I mean, do I need to be bringing my own inspector at the different stages of construction to check in on the work? You might have to. Uh, the issue here is, uh, and it's a bit of a bait and switch that I see all the time, is that in my experience, a lot of these uh, inspectors are beholden to the builders because mm-hmm. they have an economic relationship with them. So they're going to say everything's hunky-dory, and it's not, and we see that all the time. Um, we almost always see a situation, I've had it in my own experience before I got into this area of law over 10 years ago, uh, where I purchased homes where the inspector didn't catch something significant. We all have had that experience. And then the first question is like, oh, God, how could I have allowed that to happen? Then you feel very upset and angry about uh, the inspector. And then you want to find out, hey, is the inspector liable? Mm-hmm. And the issue is, or the answer is no. Most of the time, you can never go after the inspector. So it's good to find someone who is not economically tied to the mm-hmm. builder. And like Just like a, when you're looking to try out a car that you're going to buy, you have an independent car mechanic. Uh, Absolutely. And it may cost you a couple hundred bucks, but you're buying a half a million dollar home or a $350,000 home. Or I had one recently that I resolved amicably, fortunately. It was a $1.6 million home in Houston that was built uh, like it was a track home Mm -hmm. um, and horribly. So had she brought an inspector in in the beginning, it would have been fine. And that's not her fault. She trusted everybody. Right. And sometimes they even bring in their own structural engineers that say, hey, everything's perfect. And that creates a nightmare for a lawyer that takes over because we have to then bring in our own experts and say, hey, that report was defective or biased. So unfortunately, it's like if you have the the fox in the hen house, you're asking the fox how to improve the security for the hens. That's a bad idea. Right. Well, so we want to talk before we move on. You created this clever acronym to help people remember what it is you need to be thinking about and checking throughout the whole process of buying a new home, having a new home built. Um, Let's talk real quick because you've been doing these types of cases for a long time. But one thing that came up fairly new during the pandemic was 
people are used to buying homes, signing a contract. This is the price of the home. This is what I'm going to pay. And then we covered some of these cases during the pandemic. You start, you sign the contract, and then several months in, maybe a year <coughs> in, you're getting close to the home should be completed. You get hit with this huge price increase. Um, they did it because of the price, at least during COVID, because of the price of supplies and the increased cost of things. But you said those things have sort of hung around. There are still these sort of clauses in contracts that they can raise prices. Right. It's like having the appendix in your body. Like, we don't know why it's there, but it's there. Mm -hmm. So it's still there. I have a case that came in this week where there's a 45% increase in supplies that had nothing to do with uh, supply disruption in COVID. It's just simply they wanted to increase the price. And now all of a sudden, uh, you are budgeted, you got a loan for, this one is about a half a million dollars, and now you have to pay 40% more. Uh, the client can't afford it. Yeah. So what happens? But the language in there is very broad, and I have to figure out a way to get around it, and I did. But that's wrong, and again, you need to be able to identify these problematic provisions. It's not an academic exercise all, that's what I'm trying to say. It's not arcane, it's your money. And you need to sometimes maybe have someone take a, a look at that contract maybe before you sign it if you have concerns about it because it's going to cost you a phenomenal amount of money to go back and deal with it after the fact. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay, let's get to your acronym. I'm going to let you say the word because I said it makes, gives my executive producer hives sometimes saying it. But we're not calling anybody this. It's just an easy way for you to remember what you need to do. Amy, I wish you didn't do that because I'm going to forget the acronym. <laughs> I wrote down. I took notes. I took notes. So well, I, think I, I think I could do it. Okay. <laughs> it's scammer, but, you know, scammer is S-C-A-M-E-R. And the first thing Amy said to me this morning, well, where's the E? But there's right. no E. Yeah. Sorry. Because <laughs> I, I may be a really good lawyer. I try to be, but I couldn't think of what the E was. So, but, okay. But here we go. If you could write this down, you could save a half a million to 1.6 million. So write it down. Then I'll give you a funny name of a case later. That okay. sounds crazy, but that'll help you too. Yeah. I just want to be helpful. Okay. Yeah. S is for screen. So it's, uh, and I'll get into the specifics, but you have to screen your builder. And I'll give you some tips on that. If you screen wrong, you're in trouble. See is your contract. Make sure you can find the very important provisions that will take your rights away. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you what they are. You don't have to be a lawyer to know that. A is attitude. So these people will invariably be very nice to you when they want to take their money, and then they'll treat you like dirt, particularly women. Uh, are treated horrifically throughout the state of Texas, and I, I would anticipate throughout the country. That's a bad sign. We'll talk about that. That's C-A-S-C-A. -A. Mm -hmm. M is for modification. Right. Uh, that's when they change the contract mid-course. Big problem, and all of a sudden you have costs involved. They get you to sign things, and then you're in trouble. Uh -huh. That's scam. No E. Right. <laughs> so Got you'll it? be confused. Yeah. And then the R is something called the Residential Construction Liability Act, okay, R-C-L-A. And okay. I heard that, and I was like, oh, that's supposed to protect me. <laughs> that's right. not. That's the, that's bad. <laughs> okay, why? Is yeah, this new that, as the that, residential that's construction? That's a statutory version of COVID, okay, okay, to put it that way. It was passed by the builder lobby, and it's to take your rights away as a homeowner. And RCLA was passed by our legislature, and it hurts you. So if you don't know how to safeguard or even what the RCLA is, you may end up giving all of your rights away. And I could say it in less than 30 seconds what you have to worry about. Uh -huh. RCLA. Sounds complicated, but again, this will destroy your rights as a homeowner and take away your money. So you need to know what it is. So scammer, no evil. Sorry. Right. Got it. No. And so <laughs> let's talk about screening because I think people have problems with this. You know, if you're hiring somebody to do any sort of service or any sort of building, 
you know, you hear about somebody from a neighbor or a friend that says, oh, I know somebody who used this company, use them. That's not what we mean by screening. How do we take that a step further and, and make sure that we're going to do business with a reputable build, builder? Okay, well, I said this earlier, and I want to qualify it. It's important. Stay away if you can. It's like I said with the solar thing, mm-hmm. uh, solar panel interview. Don't let anyone in your house. Send them away if they're selling solar panels. The presumption here is, lawyer talk, but presumption here is don't work with a smaller contractor ever. Now, that's horrible, and I hope Amy doesn't get complaints from that or me. Now, there are reputable smaller contracts contractors out there. I have a smaller firm, so I'm not saying go to a large firm because I do an excellent job, or at least I try to do with my lawyers who work for me. But I would say 70% of the cases that we have that are problems are with smaller contractors where they come in, they give you a big line, their reviews on their website are lies, their Mm -hmm. Facebook reviews are lies, everything is made up, they don't have references, they're good at selling you stuff and you sign up. And the critical part is they're undercapitalized. And what that means is that if things go wrong, they'll take your half a million dollars, but they'll go, up. no more money, see you later. Um, So how do I, as a lawyer, address your concerns if there's no pot of gold at the end. Uh, You can't get blood out of a turnip. No, and the state of Texas will not kick in. So clients are baffled. How could that possibly be? They took more money. They're out of business. They file for bankruptcy. They claim they have no money. And then I'll say, it makes the cost of collection in your case very serious. We may not be able to collect anything in your case, even if we win, because you made a mistake in the screening process. So. So uh, the other 30%, again, 70% that we have are small-time contractors, mm-hmm. uh, not major companies. The other 30% are, I would think, every major builder in Texas we have a lawsuit against. Yeah. So just because they're big doesn't mean they're any good. But they have money. Mm-hmm. So like that case I said earlier, uh, it had $1.6 million case approximately, which was horrible for the poor client. But on that side, it was a major builder, and they paid up. So when you prove that it was a breach of contract, at least you can collect for the homeowner. Exactly. So in screening, um, I would try to stay away from small-time contractors. Now, don't do that across the board because it's wrong. Mm -hmm. That means you'd never come see me if you had an issue. (laughs) Okay? And uh, and that's not what this is about. This is just getting the information out. But the point of it is uh, make sure you get at least three references, Mm -hmm. okay, from people within the last year and make sure they're not friends and family. Right. Go out and see the house. Ask them if they had any problems after the house was built and be a little private investigator. Try to find out what happened. Okay, that's important. Mm -hmm. The second thing you want to look out for is to do a web search. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's good to go to the Better Business Bureau, but that's not where you should go. People forget to just do a Google search. Yeah, just do a Google search and see if there are any complaints filed against this builder. Uh You could easily do that and find out uh, and see if there are any lawsuits because lawsuits are now public and you could find them online. Mm -hmm. So run a search for lawsuit name of the company and see if that comes up. Okay. Okay. And then the third thing you want to do is, you know, ask the company very clearly, like, if I have a problem, are you a large enough company to pay me back? You know, do you have any assets? Mm -hmm. I mean, ask them the question. And don't be embarrassed. And if you get any kind of pushback, go to the nearest exit door. You don't have to hire them. There are tons of people out there that'll do an excellent job. But find out. And if you're not willing to go that extra step, don't go anywhere else, okay? And if they're bragging on themselves, as they say in Texas, that's not a good thing. No? 
Not typically, no. Not if you can't back it up. If you can't back it up. Yeah, right. people that usually brag in my experience, brag on themselves, <laughs> usually don't know anything. Or lawyers that use a lot of legalese or doctors uh -huh. are usually not very good. In my experience, it's, you know, 69 years of age, you know, uh, issues that I have encountered. Um, you know, try to find out real world experiences that mm -hmm. they have people you can talk to. Now, larger companies, you don't have to worry about that because they have built some good homes. The question mm -hmm. is, are they building a good home now? If they're not, I could go after them. They're like a half a billion dollar asset. They're going to pay you. Right. Um, you could. These are all great tips, um, great advice on screening a company. When we come back, I want to talk about some of the biggest mistakes that you see new home buyers making, um, whether it makes it harder for them to get what they're owed after they move in. Um, we're going to talk about that when we come right back. Welcome back to this episode of Ask Amy. We're talking about new home construction. My guest here is Charles Moster. You know, years ago, um, in the early 2000s, there was the Texas Residential Construction Commission, and we used to refer people there and say, well, at least you can file your complaint. If nothing else, it's a clearinghouse of complaints against builders. Um, so apparently it wasn't very effective because that whole commission was sunsetted and they just killed it. It went away. In the absence of that, is there a government agency or a place where homeowners can complain if they're having these issues with the builder before a lawsuit? Uh, actually not. No. Um, and if you go to uh, any of the, uh, these types of agencies, uh, it's always a dead end because they're run by the builders. And in fact, Amy, as you know, the builder's lobby created the successor of the commission, which is known as the Residential Construction Liability Act, which was created by builders for builders to limit their liability. So you're not going to find an answer there. Uh, if you have a real problem, you could attempt to uh, communicate directly with the uh, building company, with the mm -hmm. construction company, and see if they will remedy the situation. There are honorable people out there. But you will know within the first two weeks whether they're going to do it or not. It's in the attitude. It's how they respond to you, whether they take responsibility. And there are, I wouldn't say many, uh -huh. Sorry, in this industry, but they're reputable small contractors and some, probably even less, reputable national builders. And you'll know right away whether that's going to work. If it doesn't work, you should probably contact a lawyer. Yeah, we mentioned, I was reading an email to you from a viewer. This particular viewer said that they purchased a brand new home from a builder. They had they noticed plumbing issues on the initial inspection, but then, oh, they fixed the plumbing issues until a couple weeks after she closed on the home. And then the um, major problem is a pipe burst. And they said, oh, it was the fault of the warranty plumbers. Um, and so we were getting into, I guess, um, warranty issues here, right? And so homeowners think that so much hangs on that. I've purchased a new home. This is supposed to work, you know, fine for the however many, you know, the first few years. You said warranties are not really designed with the customer homeowner in mind to be able to fix these things. Yeah, and that's an understatement. Um, I would say, and if, you know, if someone is upset, hey, come sue me. I'm 69 years old. But it's, <laughs> it's a scam, mostly, and it's a bait and switch. So the way uh, these warranties work is that they create this little world in their universe in the contract called a warranty. If you have a problem, you can contact our warranty company, which is usually a national company. The way to think about it is these uh, scam companies that do warranty on old cars, mm -hmm. old transmissions, uh -huh. and they're usually not any good. And that's most of the time with these large companies and small companies that I have seen. They'll come up with all kinds of reasons why you don't qualify for the warranty. So you'll spend all this time, emails and angst, time away from work and your family, and they'll say, oh, you don't qualify. 
So the bait and switch is this, is that they have absolute, meaning the builder and contractor, absolute liability under the contract, even a horrible contract, for repairing problems like plumbing. Uh Plumbing doesn't instantaneously disappear. Something doesn't spontaneously combust. Uh Something happened. And the fact that you brought in someone to try to repair it doesn't take away, lawyers would say, negate. You're right. That doesn't happen. The builder is trying to do the old turtle thing and hide underneath. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's really under a shell. That's exactly what's going on here. So they're trying to get you to think about the warranty when you should be thinking about the contract, and that's what you should be thinking about. There's no way they're going to get out of liability with the contract. They're going to try to get you down that rabbit hole. And the other thing that's really important is, I was saying earlier, is if you file a warranty claim, and I'm not saying don't do it, but remember your greater rights are against the company itself, not the warranty company. But the warranty company and sometimes the builder will bring in their own little people. Uh Like I had a case recently where there was horrible construction that was done, horrible uh, uh, repairs that needed to be done in terms of bringing in a structural engineer. The warranty company brought in its own structural engineer. And guess what? It's perfect, right? Mm -hmm. No. It was absolutely biased. We had to bring in our own report. So be careful. Yeah, absolutely. You've given us a ton of information to keep in mind. Scammer, the things to spot. Screening, contract, (laughs) ah, attitude of the builder, modifications they may make to your contract, and then the RCLA. Where's the E, though? Yeah, Uh, right. There's no E. There's There's no no E. E. There's no E. Charles, thank you so much for coming in. We're going to put some of this information on click2houston.com and in show notes so that you can remember these keywords to look out for before you sign these contracts. Yeah, absolutely. Pleasure. So thank you so much for having me on the case or on on the case on the show. (laughs) On the case. And uh, I I hope this is helpful to your viewers. Very helpful. Thanks so much. Everybody have a great day. 